that saying, Christina? A woman's work is never done. And then it's so strange that in the same universe that that saying exists, we're actually doing a podcast about women dropping out of the workforce and not being sort of counted as workers. Uh, when a woman's work is never done is an age-old saying uh, that has existed across generations and time. Yeah, well, and I think it's true for a reason. I think uh, everywhere we look, we see women working. You know, yeah. you see women are, you know, they're they're cooking, they're cleaning, they're out catching autos, going to work, being um, CEOs, and exactly, yeah. So I think salespeople. There's a truth behind the word. I mean, the idiom "a woman's work is never done." When we were thinking about this podcast, one of the the titles we were thinking about is seven to seven because. Women are working around the clock. You've got a day shift, Ooh. and then you've got a night shift. And at night, you know, you're making sure all the laundry is getting done, dinner is being eaten, and dishes are getting done, kids are going off to school before that 7 a.m. Yeah. you know shift starts. Uh, so women are working around the clock. But Christina, why are we talking about Indian women and work? Okay, so here is the thing that has been happening. So, if you look at how many women were participating in the workforce in India, it started to go up and up until about two thousand five. Okay. At two thousand five, we peak at about thirty five percent. Okay. Of That's women, nice. yep. And then what happens is it just starts to plummet. That rate of women working outside of the home or in the formal and informal economy. That starts to plummet and it keeps going down and down in this spiral that is, you know, it's dropping at a rate where we have 19.6 million women have lost jobs. 19.6 million Indian women have dropped out of the workforce since 2005. And here's the thing. What's going to actually happen is that we are pretty soon at a place where it's going down so quickly that Saudi Arabia is about to surpass India in terms of the percentage of women working. Anywhere in the world, you just compare things to Saudi Arabia and people are like, that's fucked up. Like, <laughs> like if it's, if it's, in Saudi, if it, that it's really bad. Like, it's not bad enough that 19.7 million Indian women are, have dropped out of the workforce. But if it's worse than Saudi Arabia. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. So here's the thing. In this podcast, we're going to talk about all of the things connected to women in work. Um, whether that's home, whether that's commutes, public spaces, all of these different things. We're just going to look at it and unpack it and see what's going on. That's and, and that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, if you're a woman listening to this, think about your life. Think about how intertwined and enmeshed it is in every aspect of society. Um, and so I think the best way to examine that would be to look at almost every aspect of society. Uh, which means this ep- this podcast is going to be about 300 episodes long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Aditi, I'm curious. What is it that you find interesting about the topic? What what made you want to get involved with this? Uh, because, you know, this is about women in labor. Uh, I mean, women at work. And I've really not had much in a while. So <laughs> I am uh, really looking forward to uh, being employed Uh <laughs> for, for at least the next 12 episodes of this thing. Uh, but also because uh, I am a woman working and I uh, and I want to know um, what it is that my sisters are going through. Um, and I want to know what I can do to make it better. Um, and I want to make sure that because I mean, you know, every every step forward, I, I believe that we rest on the laurels and love of our foremothers 
and i want to make sure that you know three generations down the line of i mean it's wishful thinking but generations down the line um that you know the conversation isn't the same uh and that you know people 20 years later listen to this podcast and go how quaint <laughs> there were diminishing women in the workforce that's ridiculous today it's an equal wonderful world yeah no you're right And so I think in this series we're going to try to have a space where we talk about all of these things and look at it from, you know, either a point of empathy or learning or understanding what's going on with women in work. Yeah. And that's really like one focal point for what's going on in with women in all facets of life in the country. And women so today, in labor. <laughs> <laughs> and so today we have a wonderful guest who's going to kick us off. Uh, her name is Namita Bandari. I am such a fan that I've been hyperventilating in the closet all day. Yeah, for I'm our so- listeners, uh, she has hives right I, now. I do have hives. I'm glad that this is not a visual medium. <laughs> <laughs> We have Namita Bandari with us. She was also one of the women who inspired this series. Okay. Namita has been a journalist for more than 25 years, and she's written a brilliant series on women in work in India for India Spend. Um, she was also the gender editor for um, Mint, uh, um, a newspaper that was based out of uh, that very popular national newspaper, uh, which was, I think, a position that didn't exist before this. Mm, yep, Namita is quite a hero. Oh, you know, well then we'll let the hero start caper flapping. Please welcome <laughs> on stage. Please welcome on stage. Please welcome uh, with a huge, huge, warm women in labor welcome for Namita Bhandari. Today we have with us the Maa Saraswati, the Maryam, the Anna Data Dati, if you will, of the idea of this podcast, Miss uh, Damita Bhandare. And I'm a freelance journalist, and so many other things. Uh, mainly a freelance journalist, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I write for free because that's what a lot of editors just assume. Very true. Yes. Very true. And, and a woman's work has no value, does it? Zero. Does it? Uh, uh, Namita, you know, um, maybe begin with this. You had the most incredible insight uh, into uh, the, I mean, to, into this fact that the number of Indian women in the workforce, as the Indian economy expands and grows, the the participation of women in, in Indian women in the workforce has also declined. Yeah, yeah. Why should we Obviously. care, Namita? You wrote twelve articles on it. You've done interviews <laughs> on it. You're sitting here. Why? <laughs> I think this is one of the most difficult series I have ever written. Nineteen point six million women fell off the labor map in the ten years up to twenty eleven, which is the last year for which the census was taken. Nineteen point six million women. Now, if nineteen point six million men had lost jobs, there would be. a revolution there would be regime change there would be burning there would be but the most difficult thing for me to do in this series was finding those women where are the women who've lost jobs 19.6 million according to government data i'm not making this up right where are they you don't see them because they're not marching on the street there's no one speaking for them they're not speaking up for themselves because they just melt away into their kitchens into their homes they're invisible and for me this was This was a revelation and everyone I would speak to and say do you know women are falling off the labor map and they said you're talking rubbish I said you know you see women everywhere you see them in shops they're flying fighter planes they're uh, flying airplanes there are more women the uh, indian women pilots 
as a percentage of our larger percentage than anywhere else in the world. So, you know, you, you look at all these and of course, as media people, we're all guilty of celebrating the exceptional. So the first woman firefighter, oh my God, we'll all go, the first woman uh, railway engine driver and we say, my God, glass ceiling is shattered. But it's not, it's not, it's actually the reverse and it's not just that these women have fell off at a time of economic growth, they've also fallen off at a time of rising education. So women are getting educated, but they're getting, they're going to school and they're studying as an end in itself. Education does not necessarily lead to jobs for them. Yeah. And one of the things that you point out, which is really important to this, is that a lot of things are going well, right? Yeah. We have girls are staying in school longer. Yes. We have almost even parity in primary and secondary education. Yes. Enrollment. Yeah. Right? That is going well. So girls are staying in school longer. And part of what we might be seeing is that if girls are staying in school longer, they're not finding jobs that they or their families think match what they should be doing. Correct. So there are two ways to look at it. Mm. Girls staying in school. So the World Bank report, the first big report that actually spoke about uh, female labor force participation, attributed one reason for why girls were dropping out, younger, the younger mm. girls were dropping out of the labor force is that earlier they would start working by 14, 15, 16, they would be working. Now they're in school. That generation of girls, so that is the good news, that is a really, really good news that uh, a combination of, uh, you know, when government is serious about doing something, they can do it, but that's only part of the story. What about the older women? Why aren't they, why are they dropping out? In fact, one of the things my, I, I found through the series is that the biggest uh, drop in labor force participation amongst women is amongst two demographics. One is the illiterate woman and the other is the most educated woman. Recently, I met this one woman who is studying in a university in Haryana, which caters largely to the village population, okay? And it's this quite an amazing university, slap bang in the middle of Haryana. And uh, she's now a mother of two children. She has a BA, she then did a B.Ed. She then did an MA, she then did her MED, she then did two other MAs, then she did her MPhil and she's currently working on her PhD. How many M's so can I you put So I asked her, it's like Monopoly, you know, I said after a while three MAs should equal a MPhil at the yeah, very least, yeah. you know. They're trading your houses for a hotel. So I asked her, I said, are you never going to work? And so she said, no, I will eventually. And the fact of the matter is that I think women just don't find the opportunities. They're at home, it's easy for her to study. She's getting a stipend as a research assistant for her PhD. She's busy, yeah. but she's busy in the house. So a lot of women doing this kind of home-based work, whether it is on the outskirts of Delhi and they're making agarbatti and packing them because they can't leave home. And why can't women in the outskirts of Delhi leave home? It's because in areas like Bavana, uh, I don't know if you've ever been there. I, I recommend it. Uh, it's right in the outskirts. Huge lawlessness, huge crime rate, and mothers are just too terrified to go out to work. Because oh my God, you're saying we should go? You should go because that is India. <laughs> that is New Delhi. Yeah. New Delhi is not just the pretty bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one big exception to working women, actually I shouldn't use the word working because let's face it, all women work. Yeah. Some are paid and some are unpaid, yeah. right? So when you're cooking, cleaning, fetching the water, yeah. uh, you know, washing the dishes, bringing up the children, looking after elderly parents, looking after a disabled relative, this is all a woman's 
work. But there is this one demographic that does work and that is single women. They are the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. So it's like single women are expected to work. So whether she is a widow of a farmer who's committed suicide due to agrarian distress in Bid uh, or in a small village in Maharashtra, her family is going to tell her, look, we can't afford to keep you. We're not going to feed you for free. You need to work. And the other is, of course, the other type of single uh, woman is the urban single woman who chooses not to get married and is her and, and calls the shots, basically, because she's not answerable to anybody. No husband, no mother-in-law, no children. Uh, you know, so she just does. So but that demographic is, of course, a very small demographic. So when we talk of single women, we're talking of never married, we're talking of divorced, we're talking of separated or abandoned and we're talking of widows and India has the most single women anywhere in the world. Hmm. Is that right? Yes. Will we ever become like a valid voting bank you think? Ah, I think you already are. You don't realize the power <laughs> and this is the, again the irony of all of us who work. Yeah. We're all guilty of it. The reason why we work is because we have some woman working yeah. for us at very low wages, yeah. Yeah. you know, so we, we try to compensate by that by saying, oh, but I'm very kind and I give very generous bonuses and I look after her education. True. But the fact of the matter is we really pay very low wages to a whole army of women who step up for us and enable us to go out and work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's true. And yeah. one thing I remember you saying in Amit's podcast was if 196 Million. Dudes, yeah. million, yeah. dropped out of the workforce, which, by the way, is like this makes up this. If it was a city, it would be the third largest city in the world. Yeah. Get out of here! Yes, yes. What is the What is the? Oh my God! What is the third largest city in the world? Oh no! Please don't get. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I don't ask difficult your, questions. Yeah. Is <laughs> London sitting at home? Is that what's happening? Right it's now? something like that. <laughs> Oh, yikes. yeah. Perhaps London what and is, the suburbs. Yeah. What is at stake? What, like, I mean, with, with, because they are sitting at home and contributing to. Um, what I mean, it's just not being counted in the GDP, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's, it's still but, economic activity. But so. we know this, and politicians know this, and policymakers know this because it's been told to them 150 times by people like Christine Lagarde of the IMF, and then there was the McKinsey report, which spoke about this great utopia that if women participated in the workforce at the same rate as men, then the world's GDP would be X, Y, Z, and our GDP would go up. I forget now how many percent, but 27. many. <laughs> it would go up by 27 percent points. So, you know, we'd be like a little um, semi-developed nation uh, or more de developed than we are right now. So we know this. So why don't we want women to come out and work? But we just don't. So, you know, it's not in policy anywhere. If it was men's unemployment, as I said, my God, it would be headline news every day. Mm -hmm. The media would not be able to get over it. You know, this whole crisis, because when men lose jobs, they will come out on the street. They will burn buses. They will agitate and they will bring down governments. Mm -hmm. So what is all these um, uh, demonstrations that you're seeing? Jats are demanding quotas. Gujars are demanding quotas. This is is all part of unemployment and we have a very serious unemployment crisis in the country whether this government wants to talk about it or not. We so, always start burning stuff. Well, we're women so we're more evolved and we don't, we we don't do rubbish. Oh, oh. <laughs> Did you call upon my femininity? Yes. Not your femininity. I'm saying that because we're tough. We don't need to. We, we, we show our anger in very different ways. Yeah. We don't need to burn tires and buses. We have to, because when I speak to men, very enlightened, 
uh, sort of liberal uh, quasi-feminist men, they have no idea about, un when I say unpaid care work, they're saying, do you think women should now get a salary for uh, cooking for the family? I'm saying, no, women are not asking for a salary for cooking, but we're saying get men into the kitchen. Mm. So I think this is your new frontier. You have to fight this. And I have, I have a statistic here from an ILO report, uh, that's uh, ILO, I said that it came out, ILO, that ILO report in, 20, <laughs> in 2018 that says that in India, they did a, this is a global report, it's a fantastic fat report like this, frightening to look at, but it's really, it, it has some gems. And so they say in India, when they asked men uh, for reasons of dropping out of work, you know, an illness would invariably top the list and unpaid only 2 point, I've got the figure here, 2.9% said that they had dropped out because of housework. Women, on the other hand, for them, housework or unpaid care work was the number one reason of which 78.2 women who had quit working said that they had quit working what? because they had no time. So when women are working inside the house, how are they going to work outside the house? And here's is another silver lining, if you want to look at it this way. Why did so many drop out after liberalization? It's when economies, when salaries, household incomes go up and you're not really living at a subsidence level where you have to work or starve. The first thing women will do is that they'll say, that's it, I'm not working outside. And so it's pitched to them as something that is so kind yeah so nice off that burden from take them. it easy yeah. you don't need to go out to work i'm earning enough for both of us and you know you just stay at home and you know do all the usual cooking cleaning washing and that endless job which has no bonuses no holiday no nothing and of course the men will not pitch in uh, at all because they feel why do we we work outside we're bringing in all the money yeah. uh, you please this is your job this is a woman's job yeah and so she just is stuck in that yeah. and it's and it's being sold to her as something that's being done that's to her as a favor yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That, i mean what you are like double agent tricks you're like am i am i being one of the uh, other conversations that we had was about uh, men sharing the load of domestic chores. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, Ms. Uh, Ashwini Deshpande, uh, Professor Ashwini Deshpande says that the number one reason why women aren't working outside is because they're not getting helped inside. Um, but who will help them? The husbands? She yes. She hanji, hanji, yeah. hanji. Got it. <laughs> she implied that the yeah. husbands should yeah. do uh, the helping. Um, is this a mindset thing? Is this a cultural thing? Is this a habit that can be broken? Is this a let's represent, let's show more gharjamais in our movies? Gharjamai like? itself is a derogatory term. Oh. No, all, all habits can be changed. And in fact, mindset change is what we're talking about for everything from rape to violence to getting women to work. It is you unless you have mindset change. And that's the thing. If you're going to if you're going to fight rape. You cannot, these things don't exist in silos. Hmm. Then you look at the whole picture. And that's why the new hashtag is feminists want system change. It's not one thing here. You don't tinker with a law here and raise age of consent there and you know do a little fine tuning there and hang a couple of people and shoot some others in extrajudicial killings. That doesn't work. You know, if you want things to change, if you want to sort out all these problems, you have to look at it wholesale. Yeah. And, and, and one starting point is get men into the kitchen. Get men into the kitchen and see the crime rate drop. I promise you, there is a connection. <laughs>
and actually there is nowhere in the world not even these wonderful scandinavian countries with its women uh, prime ministers there but there is no country anywhere in the world where housework or unpaid care work is divided 50-50 zero mm. not one yeah. this is the ilo report not me saying elio elio <laughs> <laughs> and of course asia south asia and india are particularly bad where the gap is you know where a woman would be doing say 6 hours of work so depending on which survey you're reading there are time use surveys women put in 5 hours 6 hours plus and men put in maybe 13 minutes ji 13 minutes minute i've seen 48 also don't be like that <laughs> but i'm wondering <laughs> What is it? 48 minutes between 13 and 48 yeah. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> these little nudges are big revolutions yeah, made. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, yeah. that's that's our revolution. Yeah. Men in the kitchen, women nudging. We just need to say, we just need to stand our ground, and that's where I admire the younger feminists so much more because they're so much braver than my generation could ever hope to be. Um, you know, because we were fighting different battles. Our fight was. Oh my god I need to be get out I need to get out of the house otherwise mummy will make me have an arranged marriage to some oily character from god knows where <laughs> and um, you know so, so we were fighting for the right to not have these arranged marriages to not have these stifling relationships to just get out of the house and be free to have toilets of our own in the workplace yeah, yeah. those were our battles but today's generation and that's why this me too movement has exploded the way it is because a young generation of women uh is very clear very articulate and says well no no so they can say no because we were never brought up to say no we were brought up to be polite yeah you know i yeah. say this always i have a degree in politeness you know i have an emphasis <laughs> in politeness you have an emphasis in ordering coffee but my emphasis is politeness always be nice yeah so even if the guy uh, you know you meet uh, i recently met somebody at a conference a well known sexual predator and there's so many things he came up to me he came up to me and he said hi and he's all friendly and i'm like giving him the cold shoulder to the best of my ability and he wouldn't take the brush off because he's he's of course he's thick skinned and uh, clueless about yeah. no he's probably clued clued in but he's just thick skinned he yeah. bloody cares and then i go home and i'm i'm kicking myself i'm saying what Why the hell stand there Why did I just tell him, you know, fuck off, yeah? Yeah, that's I, a great question. But I think all and of I, us would be guilty of it too. And 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 I'm trying. I'm really am trying to learn. Women like me cannot just keep saying, "Oh, but that is how we were brought up." What do we do? I mean, bad luck, you know. If you were brought up that way, we were brought up to do a lot of things. We were brought up to be good wives and yeah. good mummies, and you know, be home and wear elegant saris and meet your husband with a pleasant smile when he came home from work, and not just be grumpy when he came and said, "What?" And so. You know, if we can go against the grain of all of that, why can't we go against the grain of being silent? We just yeah. need to speak out. Do you know? <laughs> and and there's so many of these that like um, are being like I don't understand this. Right? We're sort of layering the capitalist economy over what is a very traditional society. There is a NASCOM survey. Uh, which goes back to 2011, and uh, it shows that at entry level. Women in tech are fifty-one percent. So fifty-one percent of all entry-level jobs are being taken by women. So women have an edge yeah. over men when they come in. But within two, three, five years, it they start falling off. 
Yeah. So the first bump, the first barrier to women's work is marriage. Yeah. So because marriage, you're then suddenly you need a husband's permission or you need the in-laws permission or sometimes you need the entire village's permission yeah. to be able to go out and work because marriage sub somehow changes your status and then the, the, the kind of work you're expected to yeah. do and expected to bring into the house, whether rich or poor, changes. Yeah. The second bump is motherhood. Yeah. So if you manage to survive the marriage bump, you will encounter this huge motherhood bump. And mother, the motherhood penalty is not a figment of imagination. No. Women do drop off. If you look at the workforce participation of women with children below the age of five and women with no children, there's a huge gap even in that. Yeah. And so it is very real. And again, it just boils down to this, that are men doing enough? So then uh, the government, of course, as you know, uh, recently increased uh, maternity leave to six months, which is a great move. It's a very progressive. No one is going to sneer at six months. But what did it lead to? According to a survey by Team Lees, it could lead to a potential loss of 12 million jobs, particularly in small and medium industries that say, hey, I yeah. can't, I mean, I'm a small little, I'm a small industry person. Government is not subsidizing any part of the six-month leave. I can't afford to hire. So I will not hire any women in a certain demographic. Yeah. And because so, I'm scared that she will get pregnant and then she'll say, give me six months leave. And then she may not come back to work after six months. There's no guarantee that she'll come back. Gee, and so, you know, and there are so many of these methods like, oh, we'll add 100 crores for CCTV cameras. There are so many of almost these misguided policies that like that hinder instead of help. As I said, you cannot look at these in silos, mm. which is why you need to open up a thousand conversations on a thousand fronts because they're all interconnected. Yeah. When women go out to work, they will be more empowered. They will have a greater sense of self. They will have financial independence. They will have more courage to stand up to domestic abuse. Yeah. They will have the means to walk out of abusive marriages. Yeah. You know, it's not just one thing. It's just a multiple of benefits, not just GDP of the nation. That's a good thing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying don't give us more GDP, but her life changes. She will make sure her daughter goes to school. She will make sure her daughter has a better life. Mm. So all of this happens. Do we see a point in which this turns around? Well, economists will tell you, they will talk about a U-curve. You've already come across this but concept. Tell us, tell, us, tell us about it and then tell us about it and then tell us whether or not you believe it or not. Well, I, in this case. I'm not going to dispute a feminist economist who says there's a U-curve and it will bounce back. And I'm saying, yeah, we all live in hope and I hope we bounce <laughs> back. But so far, there is no sign of it. And as you know, demonetization impacted women in far worse ways than it impacted men. The women paid a much Gee, yeah, can higher you price. Can you talk to us about that? Mahesh Vyas of the Center for Monitoring of Indian Economy has documented uh, on how much, many more women, I mean men, 10 times more women lost jobs than men, again in the informal sector, uh, because there was no cash. Suddenly yeah. cash went out of the economy. So who did it hit the most? It hit women. Yeah. It hit the woman selling vada pao on your uh, worldly seaface uh, street yeah. corner. It, fit the, it hit the construction worker, man as well as women, the one who carries the head loads. But it, it disproportionately affected women because women are employed in these smaller jobs much more than men are. But I yeah. think it was something like in the four months afterwards, 
There was like 1.9 million jobs lost by yes. women. And that's my figure. <laughs> that's where I got it because in total, it was something like there was a, an increase of 0.9 million jobs、yeah. for dudes. And then a fall of 1.9 million or something like that for men. For men. And you were the one who、yeah. asked them to look it up by gender because they just reported it as total jobs lost. Yeah. So if the total jobs lost, right, or、yeah. the total change was, fact check this, 1.9、yeah. million or something. Correct. Men actually gained at that period post demonetization. It, the entire job loss was. Fell on, the, the burden fell on one gender, that was women. Correct.、Jobs. And and everybody reported it as oh, job loss post demonetization, <laughs> not female job loss,、yeah. but it was just job loss. It was just sold as this generic job loss story. Namita, I'm wondering in each episode we're looking at, or we want to ask everybody one thing that we can do. I would say please ask your immediate family, within your immediate family, how much time are the boys putting for housework? That's my, that's my one suggestion. Did you get your son into the kitchen today? Did you get your nephew to load the washing machine? Did a boy go out and say, I will clean the floors just for today, just for one day? Women in Labor is made by Christina McGilvery, Laura Quinn, Aditi Mittal. Manya Sachdeva, Sonakshi Chowdhury, Nandita Gupta, Sonali Thakur, Ipti Patnaik, and Priyanka Verma. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center, New Delhi. The opinions, findings, and conclusions stated are those of women in labor and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. For more information on the podcast, visit womeninlabor.com or search Women in Labor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you.